Welcome to Badass Digital Nomads, where we're pushing the boundaries of remote work and travel. All while staying grounded with a little bit of old school philosophy, self-development, and business advice from our guests. You know, critics of remote work say that you need meetings and face-to-face interaction in order to get things done. But we all know that communication and community are two of the most important factors for success in a location-independent lifestyle. So every time you listen to an episode of this or any podcast that you find value in, I challenge you to share the wealth. Take a moment to think of one person in your professional or personal network who might benefit from listening in. Then share it with them and tell them why. Doing this will help you absorb and apply the info that most resonated with you from the episode, putting it into practice in your own life while delivering value to someone you care about. And with that, let's get on with today's show. Okay. Okay. We are officially live. Well, welcome everyone. So for them, for those who are watching, if you guys are live already, feel free to leave a question in the group chat and we'll try to answer it during the call. If you're watching on the replay, go ahead and leave a comment as well. Uh, That way uh, we can answer you kind of afterwards. And if you haven't already, you can subscribe to Kristen's other channel, Traveling with Kristen, and mine, which is Johnny FD, both on YouTube. Boom. Well, this is the benefit of having a podcast host as your first (laughs) guest on on your live podcast. So I will, I'm sure a lot of people watching already know Johnny, but I'll just go ahead and do a intro since this is the very first live podcast episode of Badass Digital Nomads. So this podcast is going to be on iTunes, Stitcher, et cetera, wherever you get your podcast. But if you're on the podcast live now, that means that you know Johnny or you know me from social media or from real life or from a digital nomad conference and event. And you came over from one of our channels or from Traveling with Kristen, my other YouTube channel, um, where I have a playlist of other recorded podcasts. So if you're listening to this later on and you're in the audio version and you want to join us live on the next episode, we're going to be doing this every Tuesday at 12 p.m. Eastern on Digital Nomad TV. So this is going to be really fun. Um, Today, if you don't know um, my guest, Johnny Jen, he's also known as Johnny FD, and he's a multi-passionate entrepreneur who started his digital nomad journey after being a bit jaded with his lifestyle, which was a very successful, good old-fashioned American traditional lifestyle in Southern <laughs> California. He came across the four-hour work week way back when and decided to go to Island and see what it was like to just travel the world. And he never looked back. And since then, he's created so many businesses that I don't even know how many he has. He has two podcasts, Travel Like a Boss and Invest Like a Boss. He's the founder of Nomad Summit, which is a conference and event every year in different countries like Thailand or the US and Las Vegas and this year in Mexico. He's known for his monthly income reports where he shares all of the money that he makes from all of his e-commerce and passive income businesses and how he monetizes his blog. And he's just such a cool human being. And before I officially bring him on, <laughs> I just want to note that when I was preparing this podcast, I noticed a couple things. Uh, I posted uh, this morning on, on my Instagram on Traveling with Kristen that, um, oh, did we lose, did we lose signal? Uh, it was a bit choppy, but let me move my router to be closer. Oh, okay. We're back. We're back. Um, I noticed, Johnny, I don't know if you saw this yet, but I tagged you on Instagram stories because I found, I was like looking back at photos and videos um, of when we met. And it was pretty much one year ago, almost to the day. It was like April of 2018, and I ran into you at a hostel and we just started talking and I want to highlight this because this is such a cliche thing about the digital nomad 
remote work, whatever, location-independent community. But we just met at a hotel, ended up on the Nomad cruise together, then traveled to Bulgaria and Greece together, became really good friends. I spoke and gave a workshop at your conference in Vegas. And like we've just been friends ever since. And I do remember, I don't know if you remember this, but when we met and we were on the Nomad Cruise and I was getting all excited about like different ideas I had, I asked you to come on my future podcast, which was at the time called Digital Nomad Digest, not Badass <laughs> Digital Nomads. Do you okay. remember that? I do not remember that at no. all. But I, I, like, I barely remember what it was like. Is it one year ago? Yeah, it was only yeah. a year ago that we met in Spain. That's crazy. Yeah, and I remember you told me like, I'll totally be on it, but like, I have one rule and I have to wait until um, you've published seven episodes or 10 episodes or something like that. But you didn't know me that well at the time. And I was like, oh, I'm doing it. Like, no problem. So today is the 11th episode that is actually published. Okay, cool. Well, I'm glad to be so on. You held me accountable. Yeah, that's good. And it was fun because you know what's funny is I actually just got off the my second Nomad Cruise. So we met right before my first one, randomly at that hostel. <laughs> sitting, I think we were sitting at like the breakfast table or something. Yeah. And not, not a big stretch of the imagination since I'm always eating, it seems like. <laughs> but I mean, I, I'm pretty sure, I, you know, I had my laptop, we were like working. And then I remember after the cruise, you know, we had a ton of fun on the cruise. And then we decided, hey, let's actually get some work done. Let's check out this Banksco Bulgaria place. But you stayed for a long time. Like how long were you there for? Yeah, about three months. I kept it as my home base and I became a fan of Bulgaria. And I went back this winter and I spent from about two and a half months there from January until the middle of March. And I think Bulgaria is a really good place to just well, which is why we went there. We wanted to find a quiet place that still had a digital nomad community and was a good place to get work done, um, in which I want to talk to you about your strategy for getting work done because you travel a lot. How many countries have you been to? You know, what's funny is I've been to a lot of countries, but not as much as people who just try to check off countries. Uh, I normally go places for two or three months at a time, and I just... I try to actually like live in places and I really like going back to countries and seeing more of it. So for example, I've been to Thailand maybe 10 times, but, and I've spent, you know, I don't know how many total months there um, be, because I really want to see like every part of the country versus just saying, okay, I was there for a week. Let me check off another number so I can try to get to a big number. So I think I'm around 50 um, but most of it is because I'm going back to places I really like and not worrying about just, you know, just being able to say, oh, I've been to a hundred countries. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really important. And actually I only had to count the countries I've been to recently because people were asking me and I was like, I don't even really know. And on the other hand, there's people who will go on a bus or something to pass through a country just so they can get their passport stamped and like never even see the country. And I think that's really defeating the purpose. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I think it's a shame when people – like even if someone goes to Chiang Mai for let's say a week and they think that they've seen all of it, they'll check it off their list and maybe never go back. But there's so much to see. There's so many cool things to do there. And I mean, not only is there a nice digital nomad community, but just like, you know, as tourists, there's so much to do that even though I've been there five winters in a row, every time I go, I find new cool things to do. And every time yeah. I go, I like, I just really enjoy it. I know. I mean, there's places like Bulgaria. There's places that I keep going back to. Amsterdam is one as well. Actually, I have today my... Amsterdam mug. Oh, nice. <laughs> it's an Amsterdam bicycle mug. I don't know if there could be a more appropriate mug for me. I actually have yeah. a uh, Nomad Cruise mug well, oh. with a sticker on a Ukrainian mug. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Like, I'm not a big materialistic person, but the one thing that I do like to buy on my travels is different coffee mugs because then whenever I'm 
at home, I can like pick like which country do I want to drink coffee from today? And it's kind of fun. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And I, so this year, um, I went back to Spain again on the Nomad Cruise and then back to uh, Gran Canary, which I, I lived on for two or three months last year. And then we ended back in Lisbon, Portugal, which I've actually been to now the third time. Wow. And actually, at first, I almost didn't want to do the cruise because it was going to be all places that I've been before, with the exception of a couple of random stops. And I thought, you know, this is kind of a waste of my time because I've been to these places and I don't really need to go back. But I'm so glad I did it because not only did I get to see old friends, you know, not only did I get to explore more of the places that I, I've, I've been to already, but it's kind of just nice, you know, like it's it's really nice to go somewhere that's somewhat familiar, but be able to explore and find new things. Yeah. I mean, it really going back to places that you've already been, I think it reduces the the cost of travel. So I talk a lot about, of course, at your event at Nomad Summit, I talked about making your your digital nomad travel and relocation plan. And everybody from my channel knows I'm such a big proponent of slow travel as well. But it's like every time you go to a new place, there's a learning curve. And when you go back to places that you already know, it's like your nervous system is more relaxed. You're operating less on adrenaline and more on just like a normal routine. And you don't have that hurdle of figuring everything out for the first time. You can just kind of like get into a daily routine really quickly and not just be productive at work, but just kind of have like more of a regular paced lifestyle. Yeah. I, I still remember that time lapse you did of us booking flights and um, accommodation or hotel rooms where like, I don't know, I think we were looking for Airbnbs and we both thought it would take us 20 minutes because we we're both experts at this we've been doing it for years you know we've stayed we've probably booked you know hundreds of flights and stayed at dozens of airbnbs and even then it, it took so many hours yeah and it's and that's the biggest waste of time for digital nomads is booking our own flights and booking travel and just thinking about like how do i get there where should i stay what neighborhood should i stay in where can i find a gym where can i find a grocery store where can i find a cafe which co-working space should i go to and it's fun and I enjoy doing it. That's like my version of exploring and traveling. Yeah. But I also know it's a huge waste of time. So if I was focused on building my business or making money, I, I wouldn't travel as often. I would probably go places for three to six months minimum at a time. Yeah, definitely. I, I talk about that as well because even though I have lived outside of the U.S. for about 15 years, when I started my online business in 2011, I didn't start traveling until 2013. So I spent like a year and a half just working on my business before I started bouncing from place. So um, I know there's like a few places that um, that are good for digital nomads to start out. And your well, Chiang Mai is one of them, of course, because there's such a good community there. But it is, I got a question in my group the other day and this girl was like, I, I don't have enough money from my business to travel as much as I want. And I was like, well, you should spend more time on your business so that you don't have to worry about running out of money while you're traveling. And so, yeah, what, like there's so much that we can talk about, but um, can you just kind of give everybody like a like a quick summary of your story because I want to get your advice because I think people will find it really valuable on these concepts of trading time for money and how you can shift to a different type of business model. So whether you're like a freelancer or um, a solopreneur or anything like that, how you can create other forms of income. So you're not always in that cycle and in that trap. And then I also want to talk with you about, um, you know, why people keep going back to Chiang Mai as a digital nomad hub and what is the, the benefit for that. And then also about your meetup that you started there that's based on your podcast about investing, because there's this basically like there's this stereotype that all digital nomads are broke backpackers. 
And you're just like a good like living proof example of how you can evolve during different phases of embracing this lifestyle and that you don't have to just live on like $500 a month somewhere. You can you can basically grow to become a person who has multiple income streams, who is responsible about investing and saving money, and then freeing up your time to work on passion projects like learning Russian and all of the other things you do. So yeah, tell us a little bit about how, for people who don't know you, like how did you end up where you are now? <laughs> like how yeah. did you go from <laughs> unhappy in LA to like living in Ukraine uh, working on all of these different things at the same time and still having time to like have fun and enjoy your life. Yeah. So I guess the quick summary would be in 2008, I read the four hour work week. I was living in California, had a great job and I went to Thailand on vacation just as a three week you know, kind of test with the goal of my life not falling apart. And when I was there, I fell in love with scuba diving because it was the first time I did it. And I had decided then and there, like, I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to sell all my stuff. I'm going to move to Thailand. I am going to do a course on how to become a dive master, which is basically an underwater guide. And I did that for about four years. I really loved it. I really, really enjoyed it. And this is a tip I want to give everyone is if your priority is just to travel and see the world and you're not really worried about making money right now, just do that. Just do that for a few years until you get out of your system, until you enjoy like enjoy the crap out of it. And then the day that you stop enjoying it or you want to move on, then move on to the next step. So for me, it was in 2013, I, you know, had been diving and I was also doing Muay Thai, which is the Thai kickboxing, my second big passion. You know, I've been doing it for about five years and I decided, okay, that's enough. I don't want to do either of them for money anymore. Um, it was nice living off 600 bucks a month or less. But I wanted to be able to afford, you know, a plane ticket home. I wanted to be able to afford to one day leave Thailand or, you know, one day do other stuff. So I started, you know, Googling, you know, how do you make money online? And my first online business that made any money was uh, publishing a, a book called 12 Weeks in Thailand, The Good Life on the Cheap. And the best thing about that is it showed me it's possible to follow a plan, follow a formula, you know, put in two months of work and then have something out there that makes online income and passive income. So after I wrote the book, you know, it, Amazon would sell it for me. They would collect reviews. They would handle the customer service. They would promote it. And it has become my first stream of passive income. Uh, ever since 2013, and it still sells today because it's still a good book, still relevant. People kind of want to hear the backstory, and I think a lot of people also want to know what it's like to just quit your job and go through you know that hardship of it. Um, but what was nice for me was that um, oh, cool, you pulled it up. And, this is uh, one of your books. So that's the second one called Life Changes Quick. I think if you click. Um, Johnny FD, you'll see the other one. Oh, we'll here's the other one. 12 weeks in Thailand, yeah. Um, so now I have these two books, 12 weeks in Thailand, and then Life Changes Quick is more about the digital nomad journey and uh, saving up my first 30 grand. And I would say like the biggest thing I actually learned from writing these books was how to market. So how to you know, um, take a product, a digital product online, market it, collect reviews, you know, and turn it into passive income. Uh, and kind of the big kind of secret of it is create something good that people actually want, get the ball rolling, automate as much as you can, and then you can take a break. And yeah. I think a lot of people, their biggest mistake is they want to take the break first <laughs> before they do the work. Yeah. Um, I just finished. Actually, I read Life Changes Quick. I haven't read the other one yet, but um, – I just finished in March the manuscript of my first book and I was kind of laughing to myself because I was reading, I'm reading it and editing it a little bit every day. And yesterday I got to the travel section, which is like the fourth part of the book. So it's like, you don't even get in my book, like to the travel part until the end. 
And I think people will be surprised by that because they think that, you know, being a digital nomad is very synonymous with traveling, but sometimes it can be putting the cart before the horse. So it's maybe not what people want to hear, but I think it's the truth. Like, I don't know how we could have done, like built what we were building while changing destinations every week, not to mention funding it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, for those two months I was writing the book, I was in my apartment, you know, all day writing the book, you know, I yeah. would take a break to go eat and then come back and, and write more. You know, I wasn't moving around. I was in Chiang Mai for this entire, you know, three months. And um, what happened was I was able to develop some online skills and then also develop the network where I started meeting other digital nomads. You know, at the time we didn't even use the term is 2013. We would say like, you know, entrepreneurs or fans of business, <laughs> online business, uh, location, independent business owners, you know, all these terms. And from there, I got into starting online stores with uh, e-commerce and dropshipping. I got into creating online courses with Udemy. I, uh, I started experimenting with, you know, other passive income models or online models. And I basically would would spend two or three months building something and then taking a, a break and then you know maybe going back to grow it a bit or automate it again for another two months and then taking another break and it was kind of just basically you know two months on one month one month off and it was perfect because i was able to focus you know full time you know eight hours a week you know a day um on building the project knowing that in two months i it would be over and I can go scuba dive for a week or just go backpacking for a month and just travel and enjoy myself and then come back and do it again. I think people make a mistake of thinking that they can, you know, just push forever. Um, Cause if you don't have a deadline first, you know, you're probably not going to actually work that, that hard. Um, and a second, you're going to burn yourself out. Yeah. I, I just want to like show people who are here live in the chat. And if you guys are, watching live, then go ahead and post your questions in the chat. I just shared the new link with them with the Facebook group so that they could find it too. But yeah, I want to just highlight that because here is, I'll just show you guys on screen share. Um, let's see, here we go. So Johnny has this podcast, Travel Like a Boss. He has Nomad Summit, which is an event that happens twice a year with hundreds of people at it. And he gets to also travel and like meet all of these cool people and and work and have fun. And there's no way. And then here's his his blog. So he publishes blogs about his travel, income reports about his businesses, um, just like all the different things that he's doing, but you can't do it all at one time. I mean, how many years did it take you to build your computer? Like we think of computers as being good multitaskers, but they're really just doing one task at a time really, really, really fast. And I saw a quote by Hemingway the other day that said, it can't be summer year round. Like you can't, always be producing a bunch of stuff. You can't always be creative. You can't stay awake 24 hours a day and you can't create multiple businesses at the same time while traveling. So uh, yeah, how many years was it from the time that you were studying to get your diving license to today? Yeah. So it's been exactly 10 years now, which is pretty crazy. Wow. And it doesn't feel like that because I really live my life, you know, two months at a time. <laughs> you know, it's like that. Uh, gone. What was it the I "live my life a quarter mile at a time" quote? <laughs> but, I do too. It's kind of weird. Yeah, but it's it's okay. Like you know, it's funny when you said I'm living in Ukraine because I kind of am, but technically I'm only going to be living here for two months, <laughs> and then you know uh, I'll be living somewhere else, you know, Mexico or something for two months. But yeah. it's it. If I don't think of my life in these two month chunks, then I end up either, <clears throat> you know, um, buying too much stuff, you know, over, like, settling down somewhere and thinking like, okay, this is it, and I'm, you know, I'm living here now. But what I really like about first off 
moving every you know a couple of months now is I can have a a goal or priority. So for example, when I went to Banksco, my goal was to work on my business. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna go there for two months and this is gonna be growth mode. I'm gonna be building you know this website, I'm gonna be um, scaling this thing up, and that's my priority. Right now, because I'm kind of in the off season, you know, uh, financially, where I'm just taking a break and living off of passive income. And I told myself, okay, for the next two or three months, I'm going to be in Ukraine studying uh, a new language. So I'm going to learn a new language. I'm going to learn Russian. That is my priority. Yeah. And then uh, for the next, you know, two or three months after that, I'm like, okay, now back to business. I have to put together this conference, the next Nomad Summit for Mexico for the next, you know, for the next two months after that, you know, um, it's going to be the next project. So I think this is the ideal way for, for a lot of people to do it where you can have the best of both. You can you know, really immerse yourself and enjoy the travel part of it, but also have a real business that you build that's making real money that you can, that allows you to do this and not just escape by. Right, because even if you have the ability to travel and you run your online business, um, if it's a business that takes a lot of time, you could end up working more hours than you do in a nine to five, for example. And I've, I've experienced that at different <coughs> phases of my own digital nomad journey. But this reminds me of a um, something I read in your book and in, in the second one in Life Changes Quick. You talk about the tendency for us to all, like as human beings, we all want to strive towards a goal. Like there's all things that we wish we had or would be nice to have, or we want to do, um, whether it's getting shape, uh, getting in shape or making a certain amount of money, or even becoming a digital nomad or starting your own business or getting out of like a certain situation. And even though we know better, we tend to think that like, once we get there, everything is going to be like some utopia. Like you say, once you reach the summit of the mountain, you simply plant your flag, say you did it and come back down but those people are wrong. So can you speak to that after 10 years of being a digital nomad? Um, were there points in time to where you thought if you made a certain amount of money or if you got your passive income to a certain level or if you did like a certain thing that you would feel like finished or, or better or different? And then how has that kind of changed as you've gotten older and this lifestyle has matured? Yeah, I guess. Well, one funny thing about like travel is I remember before I started traveling, I had a list of, you know, maybe eight places in the world that if I went to in my lifetime, I would be happy. And every time I go to a new place, what happens is, you know, you meet new people, you kind of look at the map a little bit differently, uh, you kind of explore a bit more and you realize, oh, wow, there's three more places now added to my list. So it's almost like the more that you travel, the more places that you want to go and you realize yeah. this world is such a big place, you know, like, and it's the same with like, with money. It's, you know, this is why people are never happy, you know, making more and more and more is when I was making 600 bucks a month, I thought, okay, if I can just make a thousand a month of passive income, I'm going to be set. I can live for the rest of my life. I can retire in Thailand and I'd be happy. And then once I was making a thousand, I was like, "All right, well, if I can make three thousand, you know, then I'll be happy." And I was like, "Okay, how about five thousand, and then ten thousand, and even when I was killing it, I was making twenty five thousand dollars a month when I was really focused on my business and growing." Then I started meeting people who you know were worth millions of dollars, and they were doing you know, all this crazy stuff that I couldn't afford. And I was like, "Man, okay, if I can make a, if I can be a millionaire, then I'll be happy." I think the best thing that ever happened to me was I finally started meeting millionaires and multimillionaires. And I started the podcast with Sam Marks, who, you know, he's worth, you know, over 10 million. And I started hanging with his friends, you know, who were all worth more than him. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. But then I realized, like, none of them were really that happy either. <laughs> and I thought, okay, maybe like what, like, what is happiness? And it's it's still a journey to kind of figure it out, but now at least I realize that aside from being able to have the basics, you know, uh, I compare life to being able to 
you know, to afford a Toyota Camry is <laughs> if you are so broke that, you know, your car is always breaking down, you don't have reliable transportation, maybe you have to take the bus, then, you know, life is hard. Yeah. But once you can afford a Toyota Camry, you're pretty comfortable, you know, you know, it's reliable, you know, it's comfortable, it's not going to break down on you. Uh, you know, you're pretty set. Anything above that, you know, if you could start, you know, affording better cars or more luxurious cars, you know, maybe BMW or Mercedes or you know, a Rolls Royce, your life doesn't really get that much better. Like it's the 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 difference between you know suffering and worrying about how do I get to work or how do I get to, you know how do I get around um, reliably and just you know and just be able to have something like a Toyota Camry versus doing it in, in luxury or style, it doesn't actually make us that much happier. If anything, it just adds a lot more stress in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. Once your basic needs are met and that is basically a law of the universe or like a law of physics as far as I'm concerned. And I think it's, it's pretty accepted these days, but we can forget to keep applying it to our lives. It's like we need to be reminded of the things that really matter throughout life and just when you were saying that it made me think back on like the first time that i ever went out of the country i was 17 and i went to italy and it was the first time i had a passport it was the first foreign country i went to but it didn't make it any like less important because i hadn't been to 10 countries or 20 countries and now that i've been to like whatever 50 60 countries like I still cherish like those moments from the first time that I was there and it can be like that, you know, anytime that you go to a new place, but you also have to keep in perspective that there's not going to be one day where you're like, okay, I think, you know, I think that's good. I'm just going <laughs> to ship it and like life is done because I made a million dollars and I've been to every single country on the planet. Like it's never going to feel that way. So we do have to remember that uh it is like so cliche but it's like the journey is the destination and you can get wrapped up in whether it's like having a cool car and you're living in LA or whether it's having a bunch of stamps in your passport and you're living in Chiang Mai like you got to let go of that <laughs> that of that concept yeah and i think i'm very fortunate that i've been able to achieve all those things you know i was living in LA with a fancy car living in a cool place and I realized, okay, that's not making me happy. And then I got to, we don't live in these uh, luxury kind of dive resorts around the world uh, as a scuba diver. And I realized, okay, that's not making me happy. And then I got to compete in Muay Thai, like kickboxing, and you know, have hundreds of people cheer for me if I won. You know, and then just have that kind of the, that adrenaline, validation. yeah, the validation. And like, and I realized, okay, like, you know, that was cool, but it didn't really make me happy. And then, you know, making a lot of money, you know, was also cool, but then didn't really make me happy. And I realized, so it's not about, you know, chasing happiness. It's just be, like being happy with what we have, but not not necessarily just settling. So, you know, I, I think it's bad to give people advice saying like, all right, we'll just sit on the couch, eat Doritos, order KFC delivery, you know, and be happy. Because that's not necessarily the best life either. You know, it's, it's probably not a good life. You know, because you're not making the, the most of it. But at the same time, the balance is the Toyota Camry. You know, so don't have the broken down, dirty car, but also don't, you know, f don't feel like you need to have a Mercedes. I think the best thing to do is actually to be able to afford to have a Mercedes and then just buy a Camry anyways. Invest the rest. You know, and use that money to live off passively, and then before you die, you know donate all of it to a good cause or to family. Yeah. <laughs> that, um, <laughs> actually, I heard Ryan Holiday, who's a great author. If you guys want to check out any of his books, he can totally afford probably like a Maserati or something. Who knows? I mean, he has multiple New York Times bestsellers. He has passive income businesses. Like he's, he's just involved in a lot of different businesses and revenue streams, I'm sure. But he has just like a regular car. I he might even have a Toyota Camry, something <laughs> like that. And he was saying, I think it was either, yeah, I think it was him. He was like, why do I need to buy like 
obviously he can afford a really nice car, but he doesn't have to. And so I think that is a really, I've learned a lot of that from you because you have um, passive income streams, you know, you publish your income reports, and then you also like live below your means and you're still, um, you have a podcast on helping people invest, but you're not like, the most important thing is your portfolio and, you know, yeah. whatever. <laughs> so. Yeah. I, you know, what I like about having the podcast is if somebody wants to learn how to invest and they want that side of it, they can, you know, look for it. It's called invest like a boss. But if they, if that's not what, you know, their priority, I don't, I don't need to talk about it. I think the best thing about investing, especially the way that, that I do it kind of um, passively is, it's you said it, you kind of forget it. Mm-hmm. I personally just nerd out on it because I enjoy learning about it. I enjoy like the calculations of like ret- you know early retirement or what it would be like if we you know um, you know if I continued this over the next twenty or thirty years. But it's more of a kind of a hobby. I think for most people, the kind of steps is first cut your expenses as much as possible. And that might include giving up living in California or New York or somewhere expensive and moving to Chiang Mai where your rent could be 200 bucks a month. Yeah. You know, and then starting to make you know, uh, money location dependently, you know, whether you start with freelancing or you start uh, some kind of online business or you get into e-commerce or whatever it is, if you have a location dependent business, that frees you up to have the freedom to be able to travel when you want. And then the goal would be to scale that up to a normal amount. So anything over what you you know what may have made back home. So maybe th- even three thousand dollars a month, just enough so you can you can live, but also save, invest or save. <clears throat> Take that money and start investing it. You know, even in something as simple as like an index fund or something. Um, and these are the things we, we we talk about on the podcast. But you can also just read like Money Master the Game by Tony Robbins or. Um, unshakable that's kind of like a good summary of it but just something basic you know even if you just use a like a robo advisor like wealth fund or betterment as long as you are putting money aside that's kind of it like you don't really have to do that much more you know um lower expenses make a little bit more money and then save at least 30 percent of it if you can and what's really cool is as nomads that's not a that difficult to do because if you're living in New York and you're making a set salary and then the government's taking, you know, 40 to 50% in taxes and then you have all these bills and like unforeseen things that come up, it's really hard to save even, you know, 5% or 10%. But as digital nomads, it's, it's a piece of cake, you know, like yeah. just make a little bit more money by, you know, growing your business or adding another stream of income or just cut your expenses by moving somewhere cheaper. Yeah. And so for anybody who is a digital nomad and has been more focused on like just making enough money to not work or just making enough money to like live in a really cheap country, I would say, you know, set your sights a little bit higher because these aren't mutually exclusive concepts. Like you don't have to forget about saving for retirement or for your future or and not invest just because you're traveling, you know, at the same time. Um, just because you leave that environment where people are like focused on that and their 401k and their mortgage and whatever, like you can still incorporate these concepts into your life um, without completely severing yourself from you know your identity, so to speak. And that yeah. you can like Johnny, and instead of you know spending a thousand dollars a month on like bottle service in New York City. You can give your parents a thousand dollars a month just because, and you can go to Ukraine and buy bottles for twenty dollars. <laughs> yeah, it's actually pretty funny because that's literally what I'm doing. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know about your And life. you know what? Here's you the know, thing: like, is I don't see that much. like with social media, I'm watching you. <laughs> the funny thing is, I get so much joy out of a good deal that when I go to a nice like nightclub or beach club here. And I see that a bottle of champagne is $12 at like a nightclub. And I'll order it and be like, this is the tastiest, you know, like this is just the best experience ever. Versus if I if I bought a bottle of champagne in the US for $1,000 in Vegas or 600 bucks or whatever it was, 
I would like not even enjoy it because I'll be so stressed about it. Like I would think this is such a waste of money. This is stupid. I can't believe we had to buy this just to get in the club. I wouldn't enjoy it. Yeah. It's a hard pill to swallow that you're spending so much on that. Yeah. So I don't know. Actually, and, and another kind of tip for everyone is you don't have to do it forever. Like if you build a business that you can sell, you know, like an e-commerce business or an Amazon business or a brand or whatever it is, something that's sellable, you can just work very hard for, for two years, sell the business, you know, uh, live cheaply and just stash away all the profits for those two years. And you can have a hundred grand or 200 grand to invest. Yeah. And then you never have to do it again. You can basically just let the let that two hundred grand make you ten percent interest or seven percent interest for the rest of your life. You know that's an extra, you know, what twenty grand a year potentially for the rest of your life just by working hard for two years now and not spending all of it. It's it's like it's such a life hack that people don't do. Yeah, definitely. And I, I follow people, a lot of nomads on Twitter, and I've seen some people posting about like, once they actually did it, they're like, wow, worked my ass off for seven months and now have this automated business or like a business that has good cash flow that is, um, you know, that they'll be able to sell. And it's just such a good feeling of accomplishment and it flies in the face of of the traditional advice that we get, which is, you know, try to do a lot of things and buy a lot of things and work really hard to save for later. It's like, or just simplify life, still work hard, still buy the things that you need, but cut back temporarily and then be financially independent at a much younger age and be able to work on projects voluntarily. Yeah, a hundred percent. And it's, it happens way more often than, than we think too. Like on my Johnny FD Facebook page, I I love screenshotting messages that people send me saying like, "Hey, I, you know, uh, I want to like you know thank you for introducing me to dropshipping. You know, three years ago, I sold my business on Empire Flippers. Now I got X amount. What should you know like? And some and a lot of times they'll say like, "Oh, it's perfect that you have this investment podcast now because now I got to figure out what to do with it." But I think a lot for a lot of people, it didn't even really kick in yet. Where, like, to if you invest a hundred grand or two hundred grand, and you just don't touch it for the rest of your life, like you still have that two hundred grand. But every year, it's making you money. It's like it's like hiring an employee to make you money, which is with no management. Yeah, like it's it's like imagine if you can buy an, a a slave for two hundred thousand dollars that you don't have to feed, you don't have to worry about. And it just works for you. It just makes you a twenty grand a year, you know, uh, salary, and it's all yours. And he never dies. It just basically goes forever for the rest of like your life. Actually, and you can pass it down to your kids. And they can pass it down to their kids. It's insane. And is this part of the reason why you started the Nomad Summit a few years ago? Because I did read about how you started your blog just to like share information, and then it turned into into basically a book and a business and and i think if i'm not mistaken that's how nomad summit started was just like people were asking you about stuff and you were doing meetups and talking about it and it was like let's just get a lot of people with experience together and and present the information in a more organized way yeah like i'm i was super fortunate where i would meet people who were crushing it and doing really well but they a lot of times, like, they don't have time to talk to everyone. You know, they don't want to go to, like, newbie meetups all the time, have the same conversation. But if I can give them a platform where they can, you know, professionally share their information in front of 200 people or 400 people and then have it recorded so, you know, thousands of people can watch it at home, like, they were happy, they're happy to do it. You know, and then it's only a few hours of their, their life. And actually, even at Chiang Mai, we have a secret club called Six Figure Sushi, that it basically is a monthly dinner. Uh, and unfortunately, it only happens when I'm there because no one else is organizing. I mean, and literally anybody can organize it. It's not like my trademark or anything. Like, sure, anybody who's making six figures a, a year, $100,000 a year, do this in your own city, all right? Call it yeah. Six Figure Sushi. Just invite everyone you know who's also making $100,000 a year or more 
you know, uh, and then tell them to each invite someone who they know who's also doing well, and then just have sushi together once a month. And every month it'll be different people, and everybody will know that everyone else is doing well. So then they're kind of more likely to share what's working and different secrets. And you know, they like everybody wins. And, it's like combining yeah. um, entrepreneur dinner with a mastermind. There was some guy who started this like monthly entrepreneurs dinner and you then it became exclusive like you had to apply and get an invite and stuff but yeah really anyone can do it and it's just like a skill share and then if yeah. you want to you know i think like the reason that i started this podcast specifically is because there is no like one way to get from point a to point b when it comes to a remote lifestyle or a location independent lifestyle. Like there are as many different ways to get here as there are human beings in the world. And it's like the more people are sharing their stories of how they did it, the more people are like sharing their tips on how they're running their businesses, like the more a light bulb is going to go off in people's heads like, "Wait, that resonates with me." That like yeah, I, I'm interested in that. I could do that. Like if you get that feeling whenever you hear <clears> someone <throat> say something, it's like that's a hint that that's something that you can pursue. Like you might hear drop shipping and yawn and like fall asleep <laughs> or you might hear it and your ears perk up and you're like, what's that? And, you know, you can look into it more. And so that's kind of like what I like to do here because I hear so many inspiring stories and so much useful information when I talk to my friends on a private level. I'm like, I used to say I should have a GoPro strapped to my head to just like record what people are saying and, you know, share it. And so that's what we're doing here, I guess. But yeah, no, exactly. I mean, I think that we're so lucky that like we personally know very successful entrepreneurs or digital nomads. I think it's hard to meet them when someone's brand new because first, you know, a lot of established people, they're not wanting to meet you know to go to meetups where they're not as actively like trying to meet new people because they already have their circle of friends they're busy running their business or they're just hanging out in different places so unless you kind of have an in it's kind of hard to meet them and it's, it's it's a shame you know but that's why i have the nomad summit that's why i have the travel like a boss podcast so i can you know get people to open up you know for an hour while it's recorded or or on stage and that way everyone could benefit even if they're just starting out. I think the problem now with a lot of the kind of free you know forums like you know anybody can could comment on like a YouTube video or on a Facebook page or in a forum somewhere and give advice and the problem is a lot of times you don't really know if that person knows what they're talking about yeah. if they're successful or not. And I think this is why it's so important also to have you know like the backstory and kind of the success stories of people um you know like i know for sure anyone who i've had on the podcast or anyone who speaks to the summit knows what they're talking about because they're just they've been successful in their own right and i think there's too much information now like it when i started it the problem was there, there just was no information it was so hard to figure anything out and i think now people have the trouble of kind of sorting through too much too much stuff yeah, and I, and I want to just say that um, I've been to the Nomad Summit last year and we'll post a link for people who want to get more information on that. And I was a speaker there and I sat through, we did um, this practice for the speaker. So I heard everybody's talk and out of that came so many friendships, so much personal knowledge that helped my business. And then I went and watched them all at the summit. So I've seen all of those talks twice and then I've also watched a lot of the talks from, you don't know this, but from past years of the Nomad Summit, some of them I've watched like three times. Like there oh, was wow. one with a girl who, um, I think it was in Chiang Mai in 2017, and she was talking about how to do like graphic design and different hacks without having any design skills. Um, I forgot her name, but that I've watched that Beasley. one like three times and I've used it <laughs> to make yeah. like all sorts of things. So, you know being a digital nomad and however you define that is using it as an umbrella term. It's like, it's just a way to remind yourself that you can always be learning something new and always adding to your skill set, And you never 
completely arrive. Like there's always more that you can, that you can learn. And so I do want to jump over into the, into the live chat and see if we have any questions from anyone who's watching live now. But before we do that, I do want to ask you one more question because this is something that people have asked me a lot and I've written about it and I've lived it and you've written about it as well. And it's one of those open-ended things that I don't know if people have really like figured out yet. And it's like, you've written a lot about finding love and dating as a digital nomad. And you've been nomadic for 10 years and you've been really open about that. So can you give us any advice as to um, how you've been able to integrate that into your life? Because it's just as important as health and wellness and your finances and your business and professional life. Like, How have you been able to pay attention to your personal life? Yeah. So on one hand, it's really easy to meet people because, you know, we're going to like networking events or meetups and we have similar interests already. So, you know, obviously we all love travel. We all love freedom. You know, we all want to escape kind of the normal life. So instantly it's so easy to meet new people and like hit it off and it's fun and it's exciting. I think the the downside to it is all of us are inherently a bit selfish and like fiercely independent, you know, which is why we've kind of quit our you know normal nine to five jobs and our routines to travel and do everything. And often we have too much freedom where we can just go anywhere we want. Yeah. On the one hand, I think it's a blessing where if I met someone who I really wanted to be with. I, I have all the freedom in the world to move, you know, literally anywhere in the world. You know, if she lived in Australia, I could move to Australia. But the problem is usually when, when two people, two nomads meet, we have different travel plans. You know, one might, you know, want, you know, have a plan to go to Japan while the other might have a you know plan to go to Europe. And I think if there was a, if there is a connection or you think it's worth pursuing, it's worth giving it a chance and saying, Okay, you know what? I was gonna go to Portugal, but let's let, let's see what what happens. You know, let's either go somewhere together, or maybe I'll come to where you know you're gonna go, or maybe I can invite you along to come to where I'm going. Yeah, and I I think that's kind of the biggest thing that most nomads are not not doing. They're like, oh, I wasn't meant to be because you're going to this other country, and I'm not. <laughs> Well, I think that's also a reason to not have such uh, set in stone travel plans. Like I think a mistake that people make is planning too much or not planning enough. Like you should have maybe some idea of the goals and the places that you want to see this year, but also not be so rigid that you're like, well, yeah, I met my soulmate, but got to catch this flight <laughs> to like Spain. See you later. <laughs> Yeah, so I don't know. Also, I think it's kind of nice sometimes to date someone who's not a nomad because <laughs> the last girl that I've been dating uh, for the last five months, she wasn't a digital nomad. She knew nothing about online business. She didn't care about it. She was an architect, and she would just happen to be traveling. And it was nice, you know, dating someone who we weren't talking about online business or you know being a nomad or any of that stuff. So I don't know. I mean, I'm still, I'm single now, so I'm not the best one to ask about this question, but I th- I know there's, there's hope and I, I know there's, uh, it's, it's possible. So, you know, everyone out there, like, don't stress about it. I, I think it's, it's, it's actually easier than we think. I think we, we just need to be a little bit less selfish uh, when we meet people and, and give things a shot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for the record, I don't even think I've dated any digital nomads, just people who I've met in in the places that I've lived. But um, yeah, I, I do think that maybe we can be a bit individual-minded or really super focused on our own goals and plans and career. And sometimes we don't leave enough room for synchronicities or random stuff to happen. So thanks for that advice. Yeah. And let's check the live chat. Again, apologies for anyone who came late because I switched the event link. Um, We have 
Larry here. Howdy, Larry. <laughs> Tech Lords is here. Oh, yeah. So Tech Lords is our moderator on Traveling with Kristen and on Digital Nomad TV. And he is, I'm going to say, a crypto aficionado expert. He works in crypto and he knows his stuff. And I know that Johnny has some crypto in his investment holdings. So Tech Lords asks, Johnny, do you crypto? Uh, I have a Bitcoin and I have a coin <laughs> ether. But basically, I didn't want to miss out. You know, I had FOMO when, when it was super hot. Uh, we did an episode about it on Invest Like a Boss. But basically, my plan during the time was I'll treat it as a, as a gamble. Uh, so I put 5% of my net worth into crypto, which was on the kind of honestly on the kind of high side. But I figured if I lose 5% of my net worth, it's not that big of a deal. Um, I would treat that. I would, I would treat five percent kind of in total for for anything that's that's a bit that's super risky. Um, obviously, I regret buying it because I've lost a lot of money from it. But you know, oh well, it's it, at least it was five percent. I had that rule. Yeah, and it, you never know what could happen. It could it could go back up. I think it's on yeah. some kind of a run right now. But yeah, yeah if, and also like you were saying, set it and forget it. If you're holding things long term, then you can survive. If it's a small part of your portfolio and you can survive the dips, then, you know, who knows 20, 30 years from now where it will be. Um, yeah. We have Angel here who says, hola. <laughs> he understands hola. English, but he speaks to us in Spanish. Okay. Joanne is here. She says, hello, guys. Hey, Joanne. Um, Joanne says Ukrainian, not Russian. But no, you are specifically learning Russian, not Ukrainian, yeah, right? Yeah, I am. And it's it's complicated. But basically, the western half of Ukraine speaks Ukrainian as like daily. Like if you go to Lviv, you'll speak Ukrainian. If you're on the eastern half, kind of closer to Russia, they may, may also speak Ukrainian or use it for like business stuff. But they'll speak Russian day to day. So I'm here in Kharkiv, which is like super east. And you would almost never hear Ukrainian. Everybody's speaking Russian. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to specify that I did research that. I did see that you are learning Russian. And I, we have a lot of friends, especially from Nomad Crews from Ukraine. And um, that's one of the pluses of, of traveling is that you do get to become really intimate and familiar with like cultural sensitivities. And I definitely respect that. And I know that Johnny does as well. So I do know that that yeah you were on that side because you were interested in learning Russian. Yeah, um, and to kind of answer like the next question would be, I'm, why am I learning Russian out of all of these random languages? Uh, part of it was actually kind of inspired by um, Lydia, who spoke at this year's Nomad Summit. She's a polyglot, so she knows like 10, 10 or eleven languages. And I thought, oh, it'd be cool for me to learn another one. And I have time, so let me let me try something. And I think the the most well like most widely spoken languages in the world for travel first is English it's international then probably like Spanish it's just super useful uh, all of South America all of Central America Spain but then uh, probably the third would you know like widely spoken language might be like Chinese which I happen to speak but I don't really like going to China and then I thought okay like what other language would be really useful in terms of a lot of people speak it that don't also speak English. So I would never learn like Dutch because every Dutch person also speaks English. Right. But so Russian, because there's all these countries that are off the beaten path, like all the stands like Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan, where they happen to speak Russian because it used to be part of the USSR. And they may also speak, you know, they also speak their language, but they all also speak Russian. Uh, and also like Georgia, which I've heard a lot of good things about. So that's why I'm learning Russian. Yeah, that, that's actually a really good strategy behind it because German, there's a lot of Germanic languages, but a lot of people who are, you know, living in Switzerland or Austria or, or Germany or even the Netherlands that have like a base for that, they also tend to speak English. But yeah, Russian is a language that well, a lot of people speak or would understand. And it's also, you know, really 
just like a good base language to have if you're in those areas and you're trying to understand signage and things like that. Yeah. And it's honestly, it's, it's fun. It's like discovering a, a new world, like a parallel universe. Well, uh, Trader Walt is here. So we have a lot of finance guys in uh, my channel in the chat. Um, he says, this guy nailed the money angle. Boom. Nice. <laughs> And Larry, Larry is, um, has been in, I, I just did 90 days of live streams. So I know, <laughs> I know these people really well now. And Larry has actually residency or citizenship in multiple countries. He has real estate investments in a lot of countries. He's a wise one and he's been around and he says, live for the now later may not come. And don't let the acquisition of money interfere with living your life happily. What you have is not who you are. So wise words from Larry. Larry and Walt are also some of my Patreon patrons. So oh, nice. shout out. Thanks, guys. <laughs> All right. So it looks like Matthias has a question uh, asking what bigger projects do I want to work on this year? Uh, new dropshipping stores, blog, something new. So my big focus is the Nomad Summit in Mexico, which is going to be in Cancun, October 12th, the weekend of. And then we're going to do another one in January in Chiang Mai. So those are my two kind of big projects. Um, I actually am running seven uh, dropshipping stores or partners. Um, but basically what I did was I spent two months with them in person to help them set it up. And now it's just like they're basically running it they are running it day to day. So Nomad Summit is the project that I'm working on. Um, to be honest, I should be working on it more, but I've been so busy traveling with the, the uh, Nomad Cruise and also now settling into Ukraine that I haven't pushed as much as I should. But if you guys want to come in person, uh, nomadsummit.com. I actually might go this yeah. year. Yeah? That'd be good, good to see you. Yeah. yeah. And why did you choose Cancun for your... Uh, for this one. So Vegas was a ton of fun, but it's really not like a nomad destination. And it's also kind of a pain in the butt and super expensive to organize anything there. So I was like, well, I really wanted to do Playa del Carmen because that's a, a big hotspot in Mexico for nomads. But Cancun is where the airport is. That's where the conference center is. And it's only like a few hour drive. So we're going to meet there, do the conference. And then the Wednesday after, we're all going to head down to play Del Carmen to go scuba diving, you know, enjoy the beach life, and then co-work from there. Uh, I'm, I'm probably going to sp spend at least a month there afterwards. So if anyone wants to kind of figure out the travel plans, you know, go to Cancun like the day before the summit starts. But plan, to stay, plan on staying for a month after if you want to just hang out, co-work, and, you know, uh, enjoy Playa del Carmen. Um, yeah, actually, are, are you going to do any diving in Playa del Carmen? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I love it there. So I have been going to Playa del Carmen since I think 2013, since the beginning of 2013. So five years now, I think I've been like five times and I like it. Well, I used to go because I own Poker Refugees, which is a relocation company for poker players. And Playa del Carmen has been a really big hotspot for online poker players um, since Black Friday, so basically since the U.S. kind of banned online poker. Um, so there's at any given time, there could be like 100 online poker players there. And nice. it's a really good I, – I used to think it was a really good spot um, for poker players because the airport is there. You have really good infrastructure, good roads, good internet. It's kind of the same things that digital nomads want. And then also the, the area, like Cancun is a bit more spread out. So it would be good for the conference, like not necessarily a place that I would want to live, but mm -hmm. Playa del Carmen is a really good home base for people who want to live cheap, live by the beach, be around a lot of different types of people locals, foreigners, nomads, travelers, tourists. And then also it's a really convenient place. Like you can walk around, you don't need a car, you can get delivery of anything. There's so many services. Nice. Things are open super late. Like you can get food at two in the morning if you want. And it's just like a nice place to be. So I haven't been in about a year, year and a half. So I'm well, 
Come on down this October. Yeah, it'd be fun to have you. Um, So I actually have to to run, but um, to the people in the chat asking more about uh, what I invested in peer-to-peer lending or or other random things, uh, if you listen to the latest episode of Invest Like a Boss podcast, uh, we did did a quarterly update for 2019 where I talk about everything I invest in. and invest, I think that's about it. It's, it's been, yeah, investlikeaboss.com. And people can find it on their podcast app as well. All right. I will link that there. And thank yeah, you so perfect. much, Johnny, for coming on. And thank you guys for being here live for the first epi- first live episode of Badass Digital Nomads. Ooh. And we'll work out those technical difficulties and we'll be here every Tuesday (laughs) at 12 PM. So please subscribe to my new channel, digital nomad TV. Help me get to a hundred subs so I can have my own URL URL, (laughs) please. Nice. All right. I'm going to subscribe to that right now. So everyone please do the same and then make sure you subscribe to uh, our personal channels as well. We have traveling with Kristen and we have Johnny FD both on YouTube. Yes. And I'll link to our channels in the description, in the comments, and I'll throw some cards up there and end screens. It's hard because Johnny has so many channels and so many things, but we'll put everything in the description. So if you're interested in travel or becoming a nomad or dropshipping or passive income or investing, whatever it is that floats your boat, we'll have a link to it in the show notes and the the YouTube description. So thank you guys and see you all next time on Badass Digital Nomads. All right, ciao, Baka. Thanks for listening. Remember to leave a review and share this episode with someone in your network. And if you want more tips and advice on working remotely, make sure to sign up for my insider list at travelingwithkristen.com slash subscribe, where you can find links to download free resources like my digital nomad starter guide. Of course, also subscribe to youtube.com slash digital nomad so you don't miss any of our weekly videos, digital nomad news, or live streams. See you there.